I really enjoyed this episode with Tony. It was so interesting to hear his journey, also to see how humble and amazing he is. (laughs) And also, I found another interesting fact or moment within the interview is learning about how life can be absolutely phenomenal if you fo- you learn to love yourself and accept yourself from the inside out. So instead of focusing on our external circumstances, focus on the inside first. And then the universe will bless you. Thank you so much, Tony, for being on this podcast. Hello, I'm Sarah Meredith, the director of Starlight Speaking Limited. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire and motivate people to live their dreams. I introduce to you Tony Babcock, who is a certified life coach, NLP practitioner, author, and motivational speaker. He has worked with over 1,500 creative entrepreneurs and some of the most largest companies inspiring change and growth from the inside out. He is also a professional actor, a TV host, an entrepreneur with three successful businesses. So hello, Tony. Hello. Wow. Quite the introduction. No, I don't ever sleep. <laughs> um, I uh, I think in another life, like if I come back to th- this world, I'll become a sleep coach because I clearly need it. <laughs> I know. I think I'd come back as a cat, definitely. Nice. I like that. Actually, if I were to really think about what I'd come back as, I think it would be um, maybe like some sort of like vampire or something that like just endlessly lives so I could just go anywhere in the world. I was thinking about that, you know, as well yesterday, how much I would love to time travel. Like, I just love I'm obsessed with the 1950s. I love the 70s. You know, I love this idea of the early like the turn of the century. It would just be so cool to jump around time. I actually watched a film that was about the 1950s, that had the 1950s, I think, in it. Because that was around the World War, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Or do, I don't know much about the war. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was like 40s. It's not an interest 50s, of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it was in the 40s, late 40s, mid 40s. Yeah. So, um, how did you become an actor? <laughs> I know, that's my serious head back. (laughs) uh, So I actually became an... So first of all, um, going back in time, speaking of, here's our segue. Going back in time, uh, I grew up uh, in a very theater-centric town. There were nine theaters in the area. So I was a very rambunctious kid, uh, probably had some undiagnosed ADHD at the time, um, and was just bouncing off the walls. And so essentially, my parents decided to, to put me into acting lessons when I was very young and I loved it. I loved the idea of being able to be creative and, you know, express myself in different ways. And so naturally that kind of turned into uh, acting on stage. And I ended up doing 64 live theater shows uh, between the ages of, I was between the ages of five and 17. So that was kind of like where I started. And it's funny, I always say like, by the time I, I got to my twenties, I felt like I was ready to retire because I'd been doing it since I was so young. Um, But for me, it was actually, that was 
the segue into coaching and helping and guiding and all of that was that I was always more concerned with other people and helping them more so than just myself. So I'd go to auditions, for example, when I started getting into the film and TV industry as an actor, I would go to auditions and I'd be more obsessed with how people were feeling and helping calm people down. And then I'd forget yeah. I was auditioning myself. And eventually I started to coach actors because they were like, you know, you know, can you coach us? Like, can you help us calm us down? Can you, can you give us coaching? And it was kind of like, that was the beginning of my coaching career. And from there, it just kept expanding and expanding. Eventually I uh, started working with entrepreneurs, coaches, spiritual healers, et cetera. So when, when did you actually officially become a coach? I became a coach approximately, like officially, officially, I would say, uh, I think it's about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, that's when I became like, you know, certified and did it, like told the world I was doing it. I was coaching from a very yeah, exactly. young age, unofficially. <laughs> that's why I say officially. <laughs> so um, I know you went to New York. When, how, how did that come about? So New York, first of all, New York was a pipe dream for me, uh, being like the big theater mecca and, you know, being a kid in rural Canada is a little bit of like a far away elusive dream, but I always knew I wanted to be there. So what happened was as I, um, as I got older into my late teens, early twenties, I decided to go to New York to study. So I studied acting at a few different places, the Stella Adler studio, um, a place called Shetler Studios, some of the bigger like independent acting programs there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I really got an education. I really learned what acting was and learned how to like go deep with it. And uh, through a series of happenstances that like will never be repeated again, uh, I happened to be working on scenes from a play called Amadeus by Peter Schaefer, which is all about Mozart. And it's my favorite play to this day. And because I had workshopped every scene from the play and I was obsessed about it, um, what happened was a local off-Broadway production of Amadeus was happening and mm -hmm. the lead who played Mozart got laryngitis. And my acting coach at the time was like, I know someone who knows this part back to front. And the next thing of I know, course. I was off-Broadway performing in New York City, which was intense. Wow. And I had literally like five days to to, to basically get up to speed and uh, like meet the cast and get the play figured out so that I could go on. And, uh, and it was amazing, it was incredible. And the, you know, there were a lot of, um, there were a series of really big things that happened after that as an actor. And the funny thing is, the more, the bigger the gigs I did as an actor, the more I realized that my main direction in life was not acting. It was coaching and guiding and mentoring. And even to this day, acting for me has become very peripheral. I love it. It's always going to be my first love, but I'm very yes. much obsessed with coaching now. Did, did you actually know about Law of Attraction at the time? I, I think I intuitively knew about it. Um, yeah. Because I, I even from a young age, I was like the kid that was like, everything happens for a reason. And I'd be like, look Aww. at the, the angel numbers on the clock and like, you know, I, I was always very much like that. And I feel like my spirituality very much found me. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't really have a framework for it until into my 20s, really my mid 20s. And that's when I started to like get obsessed with spirituality, law of attraction, 
um, you know, obviously The Secret was a really awesome book and, and starting to really understand that there are things bigger than us, you know? Yes. Yeah, I found The Secret was my beginner's guide, as it were. Mm. And, you know, also, like, I, mean, I grew up very... Really, delay, isn't it? I, then? A little, a little bit, yeah, but um, I grew up... Uh, quite religious as well like I was a, I was an altar boy in church and it's funny because I always like I always like resonated with the spirituality of religion but I never really resonated with the um with the like the building or the 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 bible itself or anything like that like I always resonated with the deeper stories the higher purpose of it all so yeah. you know even to this day I do I do believe in God, but I really define God as as the universe, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the same. And I think there are certain things that they say about in the Bible that are quite useful as mm -hmm. a guide. I don't mean that if you don't do it, you're going to go to hell. I just mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really a book of principles, right? Like it's a book of, I find yeah. it's a book of guidance and lessons. Yeah, like if you look at the principle of asking, God, the universe, whoever you like, that's a that's a one of the one of the things they say about in the Bible about asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think like it's all connected, right? Like, you know, I've I haven't in depth studied every religion, but I do know a little bit yeah. about each religion. And I find that like the core of it is all universal, right? Like it's all the same at the core. That's how that's how I make peace with like people of different religions. Like I don't, uh, you know, I find that it, as long as someone is following like a joy filled life, a life that's based in, mm -hmm. in, um, you know, spirituality, then I can yeah. easily get along with them. Yeah. I'm the, I'm, I'm the same. Tell me about a time where you achieved a dream that you thought was impossible. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I would say, oh, there's so many, there's so many. <laughs> okay, why don't I answer it in three ways? So I'll answer it as an actor first. For me as an actor, one dream that I had, one big, big dream that I had was to um, go to a major film festival. And that is because like growing up, I, I was obsessed with film festivals. I'd be the one that was like lining up, like, you know, at the Toronto International Film Festival, which is one yeah. of the biggest in the world. I'd be there like lining up early. Like I loved the whole thing. And I always said to myself, I really want to be, I want to have a film in a big major festival. And funny enough, it, it ended up being in New York at the Tribeca Film Festival in uh, 2017. So not, not too long ago. And uh, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty surreal. Like it was cool. I was actually on the red carpet right before Robert De Niro, which was so wow. like mind blowing. And I didn't get to see him, but I literally was like, like the next day I was like, oh my gosh, I stood on the same spot as De Niro the next day. I'm like, <laughs> what is going on with my life right now? And I think what was so neat for me, and again, it goes back to helping and empowering other people. What was so neat for me was sitting in a packed theater, because this was a, a dark comedy that I did called Bunker Burger. And I played like a really stuck up character who was quite funny. Uh, and, and just sitting in that packed theater and, listening to the joy of everyone like through the work through the film and kind of feeling it like literally thousands of people in that theater and just like 
afterwards having people come up to me and be like thank you so much that was such an enjoyable film or thank you that was so funny or like we really enjoyed it and and you know we got like reviewed by the new york times and we got and for me it was like i wanted the dream just to be like hey i'm at a festival but what i really enjoyed about it was actually how many people we impacted with the film and yeah. so i think like that's where like acting has always been different for me than most people because there are a lot of actors out there who you know for lack of a better term are a bit self-serving they just yeah, want to like look them. good and have their photo yeah. taken and da, 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 da. and for me it's like so much deeper than that i actually think it's really not about me at all it's about like the, the story and how people are being um healed through the work yeah so I, yeah sometimes i found some films have really inspired like even though it's oh do you know what I mean? It's not a real film, as in it. I'm not watching a documentary. It's literally just a like. Well, I actually found with Titanic, there were there were things that was because I was going from my own journey as a Jehovah's Witness, wanting to leave, and she mm -hmm. was saying about leave, you know, leaving what she was doing, and you know, it was things like that that at the time, you know, what I mean, you don't leave straight, you don't leave things necessarily straight away, but it start, you know, it plants a seed. So I think yeah, it can be really powerful. And I think it's that universal uh, human experience, right? Like what you just mentioned, like you were you were kind of feeling that and seeing that through the screen. And yeah. ultimately, like for me, that, that kind of leads me into a next big dream that I achieved, which was to really um, open a company that would um, serve people in a major way, like being yeah. able to actually, because the one thing that I didn't get from acting was really that one-on-one -on -one personal connection. And that was really where I got into life coaching and business coaching and NLP and all of that. And so for me, it was like opening my biz, the present you Inc. It was like the, the, um, the ability to reach people on a deeper level and mm -hmm. in a way that's like, you know, through humor and, in a way that's through uh, authenticity and vulnerability and not like the same old biz. Like, you know, lately my new tagline is business without the suit. The idea of, yeah. you know, business doesn't have to be stuffy and boring and predictable. It can actually be enjoyable and empowering and exciting. Um, because for me, as a huge overthinker, and I know oh, you would same. say the same, we've talked about this, yeah. Um, <laughs> For me, as a huge overthinker, my real like mission on this planet is to help people stop overthinking. And I do that through humor. I do that through yeah. like, let's not take ourselves so seriously. Let's just enjoy the ride of this wacko world we live in. Yeah, I think Tony Robbins said the same thing, doesn't he? He said about when you're in a thought in a negative thought process, think of something stupid, you know, to, yeah. to get yourself out of it, you know? Totally, you know, and for me, that's like also through improv, like improvisation, yeah. which is a which is a um, a practice based on instinct and presence and the idea of like whenever, you know, whenever you have to come up with something on the spot and or something just pops out of your mouth and you're like, what? I don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> that's like improv. Right. And so I, I infuse yeah. that into what I do with my clients, which is and you've experienced this, too, because we yeah. work together. But like even just through writing, it's like, I'm going to give you five seconds to write the answer to this, go, or say it in one word, go. And this element of like using instinct and intuition as a guiding force is a little bit like um, rebellious, really, because like, yeah. we, you know, in the business world, we're told like, 
take the time, the foundations, like put the time and energy and thought into everything. And, and that's has its place. But I yes. think more importantly, we've got to just learn how to like, just jump, just jump into the water, even if we don't know how to swim. Yeah. Yeah, because if I if I'd have waited, well, even until I speak to you for our next session, by the time I did this podcast, I probably would have still been thinking about it today. <laughs> I, yeah. literally thought, I literally had a conversation with someone, and then overnight, I was like, <laughs> "I'm doing it. I've done it." Well, and you know, speaking of like you mentioned Tony Robbins, and one thing that he says that I love is uh, most people overestimate what they can do. Mm-hmm in a, I'm gonna get this wrong, overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a day or something. No, it's the opposite, overestimate what they can do. Yeah, I've like butchered his saying, but the point is (laughs) we we really don't give ourselves enough credit, right? And Mm -hmm. and I think we have to realize that like, it's so easy to stall and we're all so good at stalling, right? And like justifying, but I always like to use the analogy of the train. Like our job is to jump on the train because it ain't coming around to the station many more times. So if you don't no. jump on that train, you're going to miss it. I, I mean, I do think it is part of our conditioning. You know, we're from a generally from a young age, we're taught that sort of get a secure job and be happy. With, well, they do say to be happy, but I've never known, you know, a lot of the people I've interviewed have like left jobs that they didn't want to be in to become entrepreneurs. So. Yeah. And, and again, I think that, you know, comes, although it comes from a good place, like, you know, someone just wants you to be happy and successful. I think, you know, first of all, we have really skewed version of what success is in the world today, because it's Mm -hmm. all tied to finances. It's all tied to milestones and outcomes and all of that. And I'm a big believer of like, you know, it's actually about the journey and it's actually about understanding that if you live your life from abundance instead of fear, because that's what that is, right? Like get the nine to five, do something secure. That's all fear-based. It's all like, because you're not trusting that the universe will provide for you. And people don't realize that in order to get to the, like the deep success, the true success where you wake up every day and feel like you're doing what you're meant to do, you've got to go through some shit. You've got to go through some feelings of like, oh my God, this is all not working. Oh my God, I just, you know, gave up on security. What am I going to do? And I think we don't realize that that is actually a really important part of the process. It's really important to fall on your face because then you get up that much stronger. Yeah, because I personally believe myself, all the people we admire, like, you you know, actors, they had to go through, like yourself, you all had to go through something to get to where you are. You know, you didn't just wake up one morning and say, let's say we're going to be an actor. Right. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it didn't happen overnight, did it? You know, you had to go through some sort of process and some, you know. And and I think as coaches... And I think as coaches or I think as coaches or creative beings, um, that's exactly the point. Like it is the point is all the trial and error, right? Because it Mm -hmm. just keeps evolving you and it just keeps making you stronger. I think sometimes we get into this really bad habit of thinking like we're going to arrive. And then once we arrive, then we're then we can actually do the thing we always wanted to do. The truth is you don't need to arrive because you're already there. You're already yeah. there. You're always like, it's, I always like to say, live your life as a verb, not a noun. And the idea of like, most people live their life as a noun. They're like, 
this is my life. This is the way it is. It doesn't change. This is this is the fact. But life itself is an is an energy. Like it's constantly evolving and moving. And by the time you try to define it, by the time you try to define your life, it's already shifted and pivoted and moved and changed. So I'm a big believer of like, let's ride the waves of life, like the highs and the lows, mm-hmm. not not try to like keep building this boat that just keeps like turning over in the waves. Like let's actually just learn how to ride the waves instead. Um, another analogy I use, which is kind of dark, which I'm sure you'll appreciate, is <laughs> live your life, live your life on a journey, not a gurney right? Like the idea that we're living ups and downs, we're not yeah. on this like gurney wheeling to our death. Like a lot of people are like, you're like, how are you doing? And they're like, eh, eh, eh. Like they're not feeling anything because they've shut everything off. And I think we've got to realize that like the floodgates but go, go both ways. Like you can't have high highs without low lows. You need both. Yeah. They're actually equally important. Um, but it's hard. When you're going through it, it feels like shit. And none of us want to feel yeah. like shit. But the shit is important because the shit actually gives you the context for the gold. And also, I think also gives you the, as Abraham Hicks teaches, when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. Mm. So yes, think, exactly. And I think this is and, where and some... I, th- I was going to say, I think that applies for all business. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I think sometimes this is where I differ myself with law of attraction because I do teach about it. it's okay to have bad days. Yep. And I think we we learn from both, like you said, right? Like the, um, and, and I think for me, like what I do with my clients is I really empower them to show up in both states. Like to be like, put your bad days out there. Like be, mm-hmm. you know, that's like, I'm always a big proponent for vulnerability, authenticity, right? Creativity. Like the idea that you, you, you know, we, okay. So we're in a, on the online space, we all know like the flashy posts that we see and the like, you know, laptop life and the 10, you know, 100K months and all this stuff that we is so curated and is so narrow and it's only one side of the story. I yes. think, I genuinely believe that we actually resonate the most with the entrepreneurs that let us see both sides of them. The entrepreneurs that actually let us see behind the curtain um, and show us that, hey, like I still struggle, but here's how I get through the struggle. And it's okay to struggle because struggle leads to something else. Yes. (laughs) No, because diamonds don't become diamonds without being crushed, do they? You said it right. Absolutely. I mean, and who doesn't love diamonds? I mean, I love diamonds, but yeah, it's true. Like you, and and I think using that analogy, um, uh, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is a great analogy. So the reason I like to use improv as a tool, and I don't necessarily call it improv on my entrepreneur side, because people hear improv and they're like, ah, right? Like they're like, I can't do that. And it's it's funny because I've done workshops with like Doctors Without Borders, like Microsoft, I've worked with some of the largest companies bringing improv to them. And the, the reaction is always the same. They're like, improv, what is this? And by the end, they're like, oh my gosh, that was so amazing and valuable. Because what it really is, is being able to actually um, make huge steps forward through pressure, through yeah. pressure, good pressure, right? So what you just mentioned about like diamonds being crushed and turned like, you know, 
turned into yeah. diamonds through pressure. The, the idea is the same. Like, you know, this is why with my clients, I'll set deadlines. And like, when we meet weekly, I'm like, this needs to be done. I'll set the pressure. It's a healthy amount of pressure because pressure really forces us to cut the shit and yes. to actually jump in. Not because we have the answers or not because we have security that it's going to work, but because we have no other choice but to jump in. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've just, I've been a lot of, I've been a part of a lot of programs where it's like theory based or like, we'll get this done months from now. Or like, it just, yeah. it's not effective because people need some element of healthy pressure on them in order to continually take leaps, leaps into the unknown. Yeah, and for me, that's something I do love about having ADHD because we, we t for me anyway, we t I tend to be quite impulsive and like it, now it's more controlled and more help. You know what I mean? I'm not booking plane tickets nowadays. <laughs> like maybe right. I should. <laughs> yeah, hey, to go for it. But yeah, no, I you channeling it right. You know, channeling yeah. it in a way that is focused because I think that's the you know that's the perfect formula, which is being intuitive, but also being um, specific, right? Like, yes. cause there, there's just like, um, there's just like spontaneity itself, which is, you know, great on its own. But when it comes to business, it's gotta be directed spontaneity. It's like, okay, yeah. you know, I know right now, like for example, anyone listening to this right now, you know, deep down, what it is you need to do, right? And it's like having the courage, as Brene would, Brene Brown would say, the courage over comfort. Having the courage to like jump in to that thing you've been putting off forever, and just jumping in in one small way, like maybe that is, you know, not a full cannonball into it, but maybe it's putting your toe into it. Maybe it's just, you know, taking one foot into it, like just starting, starting with baby steps, but but not staying stuck because so many of us stay stuck like i you know my yeah. business that i'm running now i i really could have opened it five years prior and i knew and it was sitting in the background but i wasn't jumping into it i wasn't listening to the calling of it and so now the way that i build businesses the way that i continue to move forward is the minute an impulse comes to me i immediately take action on it in some way shape or form before i have a chance to overthink it yeah, because um, I know you quite like the the book Mel Robbins wrote about the five second rule. Yes. Yeah, and I, <laughs> well, I actually read that like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great book. I love Mel Robbins, first of all. Um, but I love that book, and I actually like it, the way that I teach it is actually three seconds. Like I'm like, do yeah. it in three, two, one. You know, like because five seconds is even too long. Like let's just three, two, one, and go for it. You know, and um. I'm a big believer in thirds too. Like I teach in thirds, like I, I teach in like the triangle of life, which is thinking, feeling, doing. And that's kind of yeah. the framework of, of what I do. But I think ultimately we've got to make sure that we're constantly um, nurturing the human, the creator and the business. And the human is the self-care, right? What, we, what we're talking about yeah. with um, mindset and meditation and visualization. The creator is the part of you that actually like takes those steps forward and actually like, you know, takes action and goes, here's this new thing I've created, whether yeah. it's good or bad, here it is. And then the business is you've got to understand business foundations. You've got to understand the strategic elements of 
building and creating a business. And ultimately, a, a great entrepreneur, or a great coach is someone who can have a marriage of the three, of the three, three points of the triangle. Thank you for that. So is there any more advice you would like to give our listeners? Um, create from a soul center, meaning make sure that what you're doing is actually like resonating with who you are at the soul level. I think so many of us fall into the trap of just trying to do what everyone else is doing. I've definitely fallen into that as well in my life. And I think, you know, ultimately, if I've learned anything from growing up, by the way, as a queer kid who like didn't see anyone around him like him in a small town in the middle of nowhere, I think what I learned was your, the thing that you hate most about yourself or the thing that you've historically hated most about yourself is probably related to actually the thing that is your power center. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, I was so, um, I, I hated so much of myself growing up. Like I hated that I was different. I hated that I was quirky. I hated that I was, you know, um, would joke about things all the time because I felt like I wasn't as smart as the kids around me or whatever it was. And I really learned through business and through this entrepreneurial journey that those are actually the things that I need to lead with because those are the things that actually make me unique that connect me to people like yourself who are also yeah. fun and quirky and unique and different. And, and I think that, um, in the beginning of my business and even the beginning of my acting career, if I go back, I was acting so serious and put together and like, <laughs> like it was all bullshit. It was all just like me trying to be something else. Um, and I think the be beautiful, no, no, it didn't work because you know why? Because it was exhausting. It was like trying to yeah. keep up that visage all the time. And through therapy, actually my therapist, bless her, on the very first session with her was like, who are you? Cause I don't see you, I see like a mask. And yeah. it was that question that led me to where I am today, working in t-shirts, working in pajama shorts, uh, showing up and not being afraid to like make a fool out of myself, um, not taking myself too seriously. All of these things that really, you know, continue to build who I am and who my business is. Reminds me once of Les Brown. I was watching one of his lives the other day and I think he hadn't turned it off and he got up and he was wearing his pajama pants. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love Les Brown. Well, there, he was there's like a great his example. Suit. I mean, he was wearing his suit, like, you know, his suit top. <laughs> and he hadn't turned it off and he was like, he got up. <laughs> So funny. And you know what here that's, I'm so glad you brought up Les Brown because if you really look at his story, um, he was dealing with this exact thing, right? Like he was that whole idea of feeling like a prod, like when he was teaching yeah. millionaires and meanwhile he had like $5 in his pocket and he would go there and he'd be in inspiring these millionaires. And he'll talk about the fact that uh, how he broke through to them was through the universal story was through sharing his journey yeah. was through. And I think that, your journey so going back to your question what advice would i have your journey is actually uh what makes you powerful right like the power exists in your journey like what have you been through specifically and how can you turn that into guidance like i know when you and i've worked together i've never yeah. told you to be anything other than who you are 
and that's well, so vital. Whenever you give me advice that I didn't like very much, I ended up doing the complete opposite. <laughs> I tried yeah, exactly. it. It was like, no, I ain't doing that. It doesn't fit me. <laughs> ah, and that's that's exactly it, right? The ability to go to go, you know what, this doesn't fit me, or this person doesn't fit me, or this connection doesn't fit me. Or I think yeah. that um another lesson or piece of advice I would give to people as well is um be true to yourself, meaning mm -hmm. uh know how to say no to things mm -hmm. that don't serve you and people who don't serve you and know how to say yes to things that scare the shit out of you, but that you know deep down are meant for you. See, that's what my book's gonna be about, that saying yes to things that, that, oh, you know, the things you think, oh, maybe I, should I do that or not? When you know deep down, actually you should, and you're just, pro just yeah. stopping yourself, basically. I like, can't wait to read that book. <laughs> I know it's like hurry up and write it, Sarah, so I can read it. <laughs> That's what I mean. I've been selling that book for about five years. <laughs> and you know, to go to the earlier example of just do it, of the idea of three, two, one, like just do it, mm -hmm. not not uh not try something, but actually do it is uh for your book. And I say this to, you know, I actually have another client who's an author and uh she's been like for so long um stalling yeah. on her book and one day i said to her okay you know what next week i want chapter one done but i want it done wrong i want you to write it wrong i want you, you know, to write it with like is, bad... you know, just like right you, i could just i write i could just personally write it correctly the way i see it because i'm dyslexic so it's like just write it how you want it doesn't matter <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, uh, and I think that's the sentiment, right? In giving her permission and you giving yourself permission to just make mistakes, mm -hmm. um, you actually end up, because what's funny is that she's like, okay, like, what do you mean wrong? And I'm like, you know, bad punctuation, don't get it right, just write run on sentences, write things that you think might not work, but write them anyway. And all of a sudden she wrote like 12 pages in like three days. And I was like, okay, well, what did you learn from that? And she said, you know what I learned? 75% um, of this is actually usable. And I was like, yeah, because you gave yourself permission to screw it up, right? And I yeah. think, um, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go for okay? it. Of course I can. It's called Rad AF <laughs> Podcast. Give yourself permission to fuck it up, right? Like, and and I think that's the that's something that I always infuse with my clients, whether they're authors or coaches or or uh, healers, is yeah. Um, give yourself permission to get it wrong because that's always going to lead you to better work because you're ultimately stopping yourself because you're trying to be perfect and perfect doesn't exist. Yeah, my, my tutor at university actually says it doesn't have to be perfect to be good enough. And that's mm -hmm. always stuck with this poor man. He doesn't even like. <laughs> yeah, and and you it's just true, touched though. upon, I love your teacher, by the way. Um, you Was he British too? I just picture him in my mind being like, yeah. it just has to be good enough, young son. <laughs> I don't know, right. It uh, probably wasn't far from his accent, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I pictured. I, you know what I pictured? I pictured like a Christmas Carol. You know, Christmas Carol, yeah. the flashback scene when he's like, "Young Ebenezer, soon you're <laughs> going away." Anyway, that's just where my brain went. But uh, I think.
think what he what he touched upon is what I always say, my favorite mantra, which is I am enough, you are enough. Mm-hmm. The idea of like, it is good enough. If it's you, it's good enough. The only time something isn't good enough, quote, end quote, is when it is not you, when it's not authentic, yes. you know? Yes. And something that um, um, yeah. Lisa Nichols said in her, one of her, you know, on YouTube, she said about how when you're perfect, you're not actually right for your client. Well, no, she didn't actually say it in those words, but that's how I've taken it. But I think it's true. Yeah. You're yeah, not, because well, you're not going to connect with them either if you're trying to be perfect. No. Because all they're going to see is something curated. And they're not going to connect oh, uh, so what I like to call achievable. the animal. Yeah, and it's not achievable either. You're right. It's it's like an unattainable outcome. I go back to this analogy as a life coach. When I first studied life coaching, I love this. In our first class, they said, your job is to literally not to pull people out of holes. Like Your job is to get into the hole with them and together build the way out. And I think if you're showing this perfect image, you're kind of being like, Look at the perfection over here, the paradise of perfection. And you're over there in that hole. So like, here, I'll pull you up. But it's like, that's not what you're doing. You've got to come to them where they're at. You've got to meet them and understand them so that you can work together to build them, build their way out. Yes. Well, thank you very much for coming on our podcast today. Hours. I don't know who else is on it. <laughs> <laughs> you and your cat. Amazing. Yeah, the cat, cat and the Aaron, whoever else, and all the angels. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for thank you for having me. This was an absolute pleasure, and I'm so damn proud of you for doing this. Well, thank you. Wow, listening to this episode again, I'm sure you will understand what I mean when I said how how amazing Tony is. I know I I will confess, although I've heard Tony say a lot about how life is a journey, not a gurney, it's only now I actually knew what he meant. Before that, I was just like, yeah, okay. So my take on it is a gurney is like a journey to death, but I could be wrong. (laughs) So please enjoy the rest of your day. And listen to the other episodes when you get a chance. Thank you very much, everybody. And to Tony again.